What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have part two of the murder of Brandon Emery. This is part two of talking with Sarah Lee, the mother of Brandon Emery, who died mysteriously in 2019 under crazy circumstances. The first episode, we talk about everything that has to do with the case, the ins and outs of what happened. At first, we weren't able to drop names of who she thinks is involved, but this episode, we drop all the names, spill all the tea, and she lets everybody know an update on what's going on with her son's case. If you haven't watched that first episode, don't even start watching this yet. Watch the first one here, and then watch this one so you understand and it makes more sense and you don't get confused because we jump around quite a bit in this episode because we kind of have to to speed things up to really dive into what's happening uh, and and all the new updates that she has about the case so give me a like subscribe to the channel and hit that bell notification so you get notified every single time my face comes on the screen and we put out a new podcast about every week enjoy this episode of the eforks podcast with part two of the mysterious murder of brendan Embry. peace out this episode of the E4X with the podcast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment. Bravo Concealment is known for some of the best high quality and concealable holsters on the market. Located in the great state of Texas, they offer free shipping and unlimited lifetime warranty on all of their products and a 30 day money back guarantee if you don't like the product. I've been using Bravo Concealment for my gun holsters ever since I got into guns and the quality is by far, bar none, the top notch in the entire industry that I've seen. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30 day money back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using explicit 10. Use the code explicit 10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have, for a second time, Sarah Lee, who is Brandon Embry's mom. Uh, Brandon uh, was, can I say murdered? Well, that's how we feel it was murder. Okay, yeah. So it, very mysterious it circumstances. Um, and I will say, first off the bat, before you watch this, I would go back and watch the first part of our interview uh, a couple months back. Uh, we weren't able to use names at that time. You know, all the information that about the entire case, Sarah went over in great detail. Um, this is going to be more of an update and also kind of like what's going on and and is there any movement within this investigation? But first of all, Sarah, thank you again for for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to share this information because I am just really trying to find out exactly what happened. And honestly, I feel like we're just kind of hitting the tip of the iceberg of what may be involved here. Right. No, I think you're right. Um, I'm going to take it back to last year when um, Melissa, who is a, a, is a friend of yours, um, yes. she, I got this random message really late at night and I checked it out in the morning and it was this long thing of, you got to look into this case. And now Melissa sends me like all these cases to like look into. I'm like, I'm not an investigator, like, but it's, it's interesting. So she's amazing. First of all, I talked to her multiple yes. times. She's like, you got to talk to Sarah. And I texted, 
or she texted you, you texted me and we got together. And the story at first, when I was reading, I was like, this has got to be fucking bogus. Like, there's no way this would kind of go unnoticed and not talked about. And then I talked to you and my head exploded because I couldn't believe all the details that were around us that were surrounding this case that were just neglected. So if we could give kind of like a, a backstory real quick of, of, of Brandon and what happened to him um, on that faithful in that fateful time period, honestly, it wasn't even one day. It was more of like an ongoing thing. But if you could just touch on that for a little bit, that would be great. Okay. Uh, my son, Brandon, was 33, and he had moved to Asheboro, North Carolina to be closer to us. And he got here the end of summer uh, 2018. He took an apartment in Asheboro, and he had got a few different jobs that he had been working at and then all of a sudden in February I get a call and he is in the ICU in the hospital being intubated and he was in the hospital for five days his central nervous system shut down kidneys shut down uh, respiratory failure and we never got an answer of what was wrong with him uh, then, so I started pulling medical records after he died, and I'm finding that every two months he was going back for some kind of medical care. So two months after that, he was taken by ambulance to the emergency room. He had fell out. Um, he was falling unconscious, uh, no answer to what happened. He went to urgent care. He had been very sick. He had been vomiting, stomach pain. And even on that first time where he was in the ICU, the EMS did note that it was possible poisoning um, when they transported him. So he told the doctor at the urgent care that this had been going on for months. And then he had also texted me at one point that he had been vomiting uh, for like two days and I was texting him like if he needed me to bring him anything but it seemed like he was very sick um, and this seems to come into Brandon's case of why he was so sick for the seven months before he died because at that point um, you know like I had said on the previous video when he died he was intubated and it was this deja vu because seven months prior he had been intubated although we didn't really know why um so that was those were key key points that we kind of put together later on and it was september 12th when i wasn't getting answers from him but i had got some strange texts that his sister and i went to his apartment and we called 911. The police come out and they go inside and find him naked. He was bruised all over his body. He was laying in a pool of blood under his head and then he had dried blood on his face and cuts and scratches and just bruised everywhere, just everywhere. And the pictures if you see the pictures of his face his face is distorted it's so swollen the right side of his head is just very very swollen um and they initially put head injury when they took him into the hospital 
but they said they didn't find any head injury. And this was a contentious point for me because I really don't think that the medical examiner did a thorough look at Brandon's head upon autopsy. Um, so I do have the head scans and that's something I'm working on now is having a second opinion, re-looking at those to see if there was something more because my logic is no one is in a pool of blood under their head and profusely bleeding from their nose and their face is swollen and their head is swollen and there's no reason. Right. That, so that, that just doesn't add up. That was crazy to me though. What I will say is like, when you sent me the pictures of the, the um, of him in the hospital, the autopsy photo, when you look at this, him in the hospital alone, the average person don't have to be a medical examiner. doesn't have to be a forensic scientist or anything like that, or have a background when I saw it. And then the, 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 what, what they say, um, uh, asphyxiation or no, no, um, pneumonia was the cause of death. When you, when you look at these photos, you're like, there is no way that this person died from that. Right. It's, it's brutal. It it bruises all over his body. I mean, it was like a terrible scene. It looked like he went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson for 24 hours is what it looked like. So when I look at that and then you tell me that this is a cause of death, my brain is not allowing that to put it together, which I can imagine was the same thing that happened to you. Yes. Um, things just didn't add up. And right. as a mom, you know, just, just as anyone, things need to make a little bit of sense. And this made absolutely no sense at all. And I think one of the key, or no pun intended there, one of the, the biggest pieces of this is that the police, um, they had to call the property manager to come over with the key to go inside and to check on Brandon. And when the investigators go in to take the crime scene photos, they also had that same key from the property manager. And they take the crime scene photos and they take photos when they find his keys. And his door key was missing all along. You can see these photos of his truck keys and then there's a carabiner with a gym tag and a couple of like master lock keys or mailbox keys Uh, they have little numbers they were not house keys um so his door key was missing all along but in all of their reports they say the door was locked and there was no forced entry but they omit the fact that the door key was missing and that was something that detective sadith had put on his search warrant that he was looking for the door key because it could have possible DNA on it. But I think he thought he was going to find the keys in the truck and the keys were actually inside the apartment. And this is the detective that at first you guys were like, okay, he's looking at this as a homicide and he was doing all the right things. And then he eventually gets moved to a different case or he retires or something. Um, Correct. That's correct. Right. And his partner was Detective Johnson, and she was on the case all along, but she is eventually handed the case to be the lead detective once Suddeth is promoted 
the right. case then becomes her That's her right. responsibility. And she's the one that made the comment of, oh, this is what happens when you are, was it when you do meth or when you do drugs all night or something like that? It's all self-inflicted, right? I remember she made that comment or something. That's correct. We were still cleaning out Brandon's apartment. We asked them to come back over because we were confused at that point. Um, people in the hospital said he looked like he had been hit by a vehicle. Uh, we had, you know, I just, I had never seen anything like that. I had no idea what could have happened. And I was asking a lot of questions. I remember asking the ICU nurse, I said, is there any way like this is come from a fall because I didn't know of anyone being in Brandon's apartment. Um, so she, the detective, yes, she came over. She had already been to the autopsy. And then she said that she thought he was doing meth and that he washed his own blood off the wall, which is something that she could have actually already checked with the hospital. Because like I said, in the other video, uh, they had did uh, Narcan and there was no response. And they also did drug testing um, in the hospital as well. Right. And it all came back negative. And so the moral Correct. of the story so far is complete neglect by the Ashboro police department and the detectives that initially, that, that not the initial detective, but the people that took over afterwards um, and neglect on the medical examiner and just not so much the first responders, because like you said, some of them were like kind of perturbed of like, no, we think this happened. And then when the final reports came out, it was like the furthest thing from what they initially thought. So uh, I know we're jumping around a lot and stuff like that, which is okay. And like I said, if if you're into this episode right now and you're watching and you're confused, watch the <laughs> watch the first one and you will not be confused because you'll know who we're talking yes. about, what we're talking about and all that stuff. Um, but I just, def I definitely want to move along to what's happened now because i think mm -hmm. the information that you're dumping out on social media that i'm seeing and i don't even know the full picture is mind-boggling to me i think uh, i don't know if i don't even know if i can say it but i got a text message from someone and they said that um there's like connections with someone else that passed away um yes i don't know if i can talk about it i'll let you talk about it if you can okay. but yes uh what what is give me an update on brandon's case who you're looking at and what you guys think has happened. Okay, I'm not sure if we went over this, but um, we got in touch of, with one of Cassandra's ex-boyfriends and he does wish to remain anonymous, but we spoke to him and his wife and we found out when they were together that he was getting sick while he was with her. And we found out it is true that Cassandra did have a black belt in martial arts and he she struck him and he ended up in the hospital with a collapsed lung Damn. so we start seeing this personality profile with her where she does have a violent streak she pulled a loaded gun on him and there were some other details where he would tell us how she wanted to be put on the deed of the house and her his father felt something was wrong about the whole thing and he put a clause on the house so there seemed to be some motivation with property uh, money with cassandra and so maybe two weeks after we speak with the ex-boyfriend we end up speaking to her husband and Current? we had a lot of 
her current husband, correct? And at that point, we didn't know, was it a, a jealousy um, thing that happened to Brandon? Um, you know, that was just something that was still on the list. And I would say within a minute of speaking to him, I knew he completely was not involved. And it, it's such their relationship and the things that I learned uh, through her husband about Cassandra could be an entire three-part podcast just of that alone, not right. even talking about all of the people involved. Um, but I knew he wasn't involved and that was good to be able to mark any kind of jealous husband theory off the list. Um, so it's kind of a process of elimination, but as so we're, what, I'm sorry, what about is, is she married to this man when she's dating Brandon? Did they correct. have an open relationship? Did he know about Brandon? No, what? no, he, he was told that they were friends, that they were part of a group of friends. Okay. And Cassandra would refer to Brandon as Sean, and she would also spell it two different ways. And she also referred to Brandon as someone named Buck. And we know this because when they were together, she would use these names and tell her husband stories or, you know, maybe there's some shred of truth to what she was saying, mm. um, but she would change the names and details of the events. And they are currently separated and they do intend to divorce, um, but they actually are still currently married right now at this point. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yes. So we're talking to her husband and we start finding out that he had a lot of health issues, mm. a lot of mysterious illnesses. He would have bouts of sickness and similar to Brandon, similar to Brandon. Yeah. And I actually have a copy of one medical report of his, and you literally could exchange the names on the two medical notes and it would be almost identical what? and yes and his was about two years before um brandon died but he also said that she had left for maine and she came back and he got very sick again and he said i haven't been this sick since she left so i think the the dots were starting to connect a little bit for him. And he sure. even had someone remark to him at work. He said, what if someone's poisoning you? And he remembered an incident of, um, or incidents, plural, that he would get in the shower and he could hear her door open and go out into the kitchen. And then she would go back to bed and then he would check on her and she would pretend like she was asleep. And his morning ritual was to make his coffee and to have his coffee ready for work. And he, he as well as I, wonder if his coffee was being tampered with. Well, okay. So I know what last time we talked, um, it, it was a poison thing that we, that we talked about. Some of the people in the hospital said he could be you know, sign, or before he died, the seven months before, mm -hmm. they said, oh, this looks like potential poisoning. Did, what kind of poison could it be to where it couldn't be detected? I mean, can't they just run a test and say, oh, yeah, 
you have rat poison in your system or any kind of thing like that? Or is it completely unnoticeable? The thing about the poisons is that because I have been researching and studying mm -hmm. so many, the side effects or the results of what happens to a person, they are so similar. You will start seeing the same symptoms over and over again. Mm -hmm. So it brings a lot of question. I really thought Brandon had ethylene glycol poisoning, which is antifreeze, because in that first medical record, um, it stated that he had these calcium crystal oxalates. And there was a jug of antifreeze sitting by the door in his apartment, strangely with some roast. And um, Cassandra mentioned this roast in one of her messages to me. In fact, she mentioned so many things about the crime scene. She had guilty knowledge of the crime scene, describing it, everything. And I just, I can't 100% say what the substance could be. We do have hair samples and we need to get those tested. I just haven't got an answer back from the, um, the forensic lab right. and we're having to pay for that out of pocket. And when you start um, asking for a test for an unknown, it's expensive because oh, they have to sure check for a lot of substances and um, so i couldn't 100 percent say what it is but i do know that there are now three men with cassandra as the common denominator who have all been sick right brandon her current husband and who else the ex-boyfriend oh the ex-boyfriend that's right um yes was he, he brandon did. cremated or buried he was cremated and the cremains can be tested as well for such as Yes, heavy metal poisoning can be tested. Was that your choice to have him cremated? It was, um, you know, with the autopsy, with everything. I, I don't know. I just, I, we kind of talked it over as a family, um, trying to decide what is, what should we do here. I, I don't know. My grief, you know, it was just so hard to of course, yeah. try to coordinate all of that to do everything i was just um beside myself and yeah, totally unexpected. so many questions yes so much confusion um you know i just and and brandon wasn't a super social guy so there wasn't you know um you know a big pool of friends or sure. anything and um so we just discussed it as a family and we all thought that that's what he would want as well. Like sure. his Viking culture and everything. And yeah, well, that's why I only asked because I figured since you're doing that, obviously everything has changed where you need to do all this testing, obviously having someone who is buried, probably have more of a chance to get certain DNA and certain things. Uh, yes. Back. That's the only and, reason why I ask. And those are things that I hope people learn from Brandon's case that if you have a loved one in its mysterious circumstances and you have an autopsy, you may want to right from the start, get a second autopsy right away and do not cremate just because you don't know you're going right. to have forensics people telling you, you need to exhume the body. Right. No. Yeah. It, that's, yeah. Like I said, that's why I asked. Cause I was, you know, I, I and I'll talk about her in a minute, but um, Kendrick Johnson's mom, you know, the fact that he was buried, she's able to do those things. 
um, yes. and, and kind of, and I'll talk about her later in, in that case, because it's, it, it reminded me so much of, of, of obviously different circumstances, but the outcome, like the, the mm-hmm. mystery behind it is, is insane. But, but as far as Brandon goes, um, so we have three men now that, you know, that, um, uh, Cassandra is the common denominator. She is a official black belt in what Taekwondo or some, t- what martial art? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one it is. I'll have to look that up and I'll, I'll post it in the comment for you. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Because my question was when we first talked, one of the theories that you came up with was, uh, and I even thought of this too, was how badly he was beaten. Cause initially there was two women in, that you thought were involved, Cassandra and the other, um, what was her name? Olivia Dawes. Right. So yes. you thought that they were kind of maybe cohorting together and then there might be more of a, of a struggle with other men involved. And you've basically ruled out Cassandra's husband. But my thought was like, okay, cause, cause Brandon's a big guy. He's not like five foot tall. He's like over six feet tall. He's a, he's a big boy. So my thought is like, okay, Cassandra's definitely not taking him out by herself, but if she's a black belt, not saying that like, you know, just because she's in martial arts doesn't mean she, she would naturally know more and how to handle someone who is clearly bigger than her uh, in a situation like that. You can't, I don't care what the martial art is. I know a lot of martial artists, Taekwondo, typically you can get a black belt in like two or three years. Uh, so some of those are kind of like, eh, not, you know, jujitsu is one thing where it takes like a decade, if not longer to become a black belt. So certain martial arts have mm-hmm. different criteria, um, but a black belt's a black belt, right? Obviously, certain martial artists can do other things that other black belts can't do. But at the end of the day, if you've spent that much time to become a black belt in anything, you're going to know certain stuff that the average person like Brandon wouldn't know. So now that you know that you confirmed a black belt, do you think that that is a possibility that she's the one that potentially caused harm to him? I do still think that both females are somehow connected and they are connected to Brandon because the best that I can figure out is he was already unconscious on Monday and this phone call was made to his phone on Tuesday and someone answered that call. So that call was from Olivia Doss, but I don't think it was Brandon that answered. And there's a lot of suspicious things about how she handled Brandon's death as well and such as saying she barely knew him but she had one of Brandon's shirts which I find that to be very odd how do you know he was Um, unconscious on Monday so through Cassandra's text she seems to kind of relive things and she went into this whole long texting story to her husband and it was almost like she was describing what happened to Brandon, even with a time frame, And she said it all started on Monday. And also it was these texts that I don't think came from Brandon that also started on Monday. Mm. Cause they just weren't and his that, style. Yes. And they were saying things like his head hurt so bad. He couldn't move from the pillow. And if you saw the bloody pillow, I felt like it was someone you know, possibly looking at him. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it sucks because what we're talking about is almost impossible to prove, but a rational thinker can kind of put things together. And unfortunately 
and whether it's Ashboro or another department or the feds, doesn't matter who it is, they can't think like that. I've talked to a ton of FBI agents. I've talked to a ton of homicide detectives. And the first thing they tell me is as soon as you get tunnel vision or as soon as you get confirmation bias, you're mm -hmm. off the case. You are no good. You can't do it. So that's the thing that sucks about this case is there's so many you know, coincidences. And that's really interesting that you said that because it was Johnson that had a confirmation bias from the start with Brennan's case because she wanted to say he did it to himself right. and that he took something and the autopsy was even amended, which is a whole other issue is this communication between detective Johnson and the medical examiner. And one of the things that the medical examiner wrote on the amended autopsy was that he possibly took a substance that could have worn off um, before a drug test was performed. And that is complete hearsay. That's conjecture. There's, there's no factual element to that. And, you know, I'm reading that putting anything other than facts on an autopsy is perjury. Right. And the communication back and forth between Detective Johnson and the medical examiner is, um, it's just shady. Yep. No, you're right. And that's that, that, and it goes both ways. Like if you're a homicide detective and your job is to get the truth and get facts, stuff like that, you can't be slinging comments around, especially to the family like that. Um, I actually asked um, uh, two FBI agents that I spoke to. One was an FBI profiler off camera on our episode, Mark Safrick, and then Johnny Grusing, who was the FBI agent up here in Denver. Um, and I asked them, I'm like, you know, about your case specifically, because I asked them like, you know, the homicide detective did this. And I told him about the amendment because we talked about that on the last episode, me and you. Um, and they were like, technically, that detective should have been off that case. Um, and these are two federal, former federal agents that are like at the highest level, looked into the most, I mean, Mark Safford is basically, he, he his He's a predecessor of of uh, the person who coined the term serial killer. Like, uh, have you ever seen the movie Mindhunter? Yes, great. Those two great guys, show. the younger guy, it's really roles reversed. The older guy was really the main person in real life. But that person oh. was this guy, Mark Safrick's mentor. He basically, they had started wow. the BAU at FBI. So they know, all. they're very smart with this kind of stuff. And they were all like, as soon as that person, that detective starts having that confirmation bias, it's a wrap. Same thing that Gray Kading told me, the guy who did Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac's uh, murder investigation. You can't have confirmation bias. So the fact that you're a detective and no one in the police department said anything or did anything and let her just run with it. A lot is said because it's a smaller police department. The Ashboro is not the NYPD. They don't have 100 detectives, correct? Mm -hmm. So correct. resources play a part. But at the same time, now look, now you're having to do, now you're having to become the detective and do all this mm -hmm. stuff. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. That was a little tangent, yes. but it's just frustrating. Yes. Yes. And just as a personality profile, Cassandra is just mind blowing. It is mind blowing to read through. I read through years of text with her where she talks about assaulting people, paralyzing people these things are not normal. Um, her friends, she makes friends with some very violent offenders who 
our inmates. One of them is Wade Hoover, who was um, sentenced for child pornography and also raping young boys. And then Michael McNaughton, which was an, I didn't know, I knew he was in for murder, but I just yesterday, the day before, learned more about what happened. And his crime was um, murdering someone with a screwdriver. And he said he knows how to paralyze people by severing their spinal column and putting a screwdriver in the back of their neck. And these are people that Cassandra goes to visit and goes to talk to. And, you know, I go back to the fact that Brennan had this blood spray coming out of the back of his head. If you look at the blood spatter, it's at the base of his head and it's spraying out about two feet. And I thought, you know, the possibilities that they are teaching her, telling her things are there. And, you know, so those are things that I'm going to keep looking into. Um, Wade Hoover would drug the boys with Benadryl. And this is the thing that Cassandra buys copious amounts of for years. And it wasn't something that Brandon was known to take, but then there was Benadryl at the crime scene. Like that's two what, to three bottles. That's what I'm saying. Like th- there's so many coincidences that like I'm not an investigator. Those things would be red flags to me. Like yes. you have at the at the end of the day, yes, you're his mother and you want to do everything you can because you don't believe that he just died from pneumonia, right? So take that out of it though. At the at the very least, you have to, as an investigator, look and uncover or overturn every single rock. I mean, yes, the cases of like you know all the the people that Ted Bundy killed, John Wink, all these, you know how many boat bo- you know bizarre leads that these detectives got. But guess what? They looked wow. into every single one. Wow. And, but they, that's what I'm saying is like, I don't understand why this police department and these particular detectives aren't doing this. Like they've basically written it off. Like, oh, we solved it. Case closed. Correct? Yes, correct. And then one of the other, um, well, let me just say it, this also with the investigation. Um, going back to that, I thought Brandon was, or what I'm thinking is that he's unconscious by Monday mm-hmm. was that his debit card was used. No surveillance was ever checked for the places that he had or where his card was used. And one of the places was Adam and Eve. And they said that he was a frequent customer. He had been in there all the time. So I go back and they look at his receipts on his account and there were only two. So that rules out frequent customer. And one of the receipts was for June 29th, but June 28th is when he was at medical because he was again, deathly sick. He's, you know, he's throwing up for months. So this doesn't add up that he was in the store, like to someone to be that sick and Cassandra is known to take people's debit cards to um, the the ex-boyfriend talked about how she would forge his name to cash his checks. So using someone's card is definitely within the realm of possibility. And, you know, there could be more um, 
to that whole situation, but just little things that should have been checked, but it went back to the confirmation bias that, you know, it was just Brandon doing bad things and doing this to himself and right. case closed. Right. Yeah. And then what's crazy is uh, when they, when they interviewed her, I remember she was scared. She was nervous. And then after she left, she was like, Oh, that was easy. Blah, 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 blah. But that's also because the investigators probably didn't have a lot of evidence or idea or kind of like, kind of like, vision of what she is or what she's capable of if they would have done the things that you're saying they would have probably a different agenda when they go in to invest or interview her on top of that if they already have the confirmation bias of this is brandon's doing they're not going to give two shits about investigating or interviewing cassandra right right yes right. it doesn't make any sense yes and one of the strangest bizarre things about everything that I'm learning about this case is that it's Cassandra is the one who is helping the most to solve the case by everything that, that she yeah. talks about um, her, her conversations with me roundabout talking about what happened um, like I said, the guilty knowledge where I recorded her, her text to her husband, where she's nervous or scared. I mean, there was even um, years ago, she was actually in Colorado and it was their anniversary. And we don't know why she kept taking off and she would have long stays in Colorado and she would call this her work, but she wasn't really working. And she... It was their anniversary and asking her husband how to shut off the water. So if you see the crime scene photos from Brandon's apartment and the water is everywhere, it's just disturbing. It's like, what is she doing all of these years? Even the ex-boyfriend said that she would take off and she would meet men. And, you know, personally, uh, it's just speculation, but I'm like, hey, are all these people alive? You know, right. which I have to ask because of how my son was found. Right. And then it's it's not even just the men, but I met with Cassandra and she told me that she had a friend named Dee Dee. And she said her friend Dee Dee was dying and that she would stay with her friend while the husband was away. And it was, you know, maybe 2020 that I had someone reach out to me and they said that they had a friend who lived in this county and her name, her nickname was Dee Dee and she passed away. She passed away right around her birthday. Brandon also um, passed away near his birthday. And we learned a little bit about Dee Dee and it was just a very strange story. It was ruled a suicide, but the suicide note said something like, please take care of my cats. We're total, they did nothing wrong. It was extremely strange for a suicide note because it's very impersonal. Right. Um, it just really didn't make a lot of sense. And then supposedly Cassandra knows someone named Dee Dee. And, and I start thinking about this and I'm like, okay, well, how many Dee Dee's are in this area? Because it's not a large metropolis. It's, mm -hmm. you know, small towns. Um, we couldn't find maybe two. And then of those DDs, how many are married? How many are in this age group? And how many were, uh, had a husband that was away? And then how many died? And then there's just this one. And so it does seem very 
very strange and we're still trying to get information on that and you know i did talk to one of um, her actual name is edith green and i talked to one of her friends and he said there's no way that she would write a note like that he said that if she were at that point she would be telling the world off she would tell everyone that let her down or anything she would have a lot to say and i just thought that note was very strange right. and then in cassandra's text messages she said that she worked at ihop and we did find out yes she did work there for a short amount of time uh, she would tell people that she was a nurse she told me she was a nurse that worked in a domestic violence center and then she also said that she was a nurse in um, a correctional facility. And I th thought it was very strange that. I have a bunch of holsters from Bravo and one of them is the inside the waistband holster. So this goes inside the waistband if you wanna conceal carry. Also, swap it out here, outside the waistband. So this outside the waistband is actually like hella thin and you can see kind of like how how close to the body it can get. You could take this on the range. Um, you, you can probably conceal this and comfortably do it with you know a hoodie over top or whatever. If you wanna open carry, um, it's up to you. They also send out mag pouches, right? So you can throw in an extra mag, you're going to the range, you don't have to unload and reload every single time. You got a little, uh, little hollow point moment. They come in handy if you're on the range, like I said, or if you're concealed carry and you're one of those people that are Gotta have a lot of mags or whatever, um, you know, whatever, whatever your cup of tea is. They also send you these really cool pamphlets. They go into great details in these brochures of how to wear things properly, safety mechanisms, and all the features that all of these holsters have as well. So they really focus on educating their customers, which when it comes to guns, safety and education are number one. They don't have any left-handed holsters except for the Glock 19. I'm a lefty, but the right-handed holsters are so dope and they're so comfortable and concealable that I don't really give a shit. Just learn how to shoot with my right hand. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase, on their website by using explicit 10. Use the code explicit 10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. Um, the last thing I heard was you were talking about, uh, she was working as a nurse at a correctional facility. Okay. And this is Cassandra or this is Edith? This is Cassandra. She really did not work as a nurse. She doesn't have a full nursing degree as far as I know. I don't know if she's done any CNA or anything else, but we can't find any kind of licensure on her. Um, she would say that she was an LPN, but then she would also tell people that I've seen on messages that she was the, um, she had a master's degree in nursing. She's the head nurse, things like this. Um, but she did work at IHOP in Florence, South Carolina. And there is a Louise that worked there, Louise Potter. And then we find out that she died in 2021 with stomach issues. And one of the things that seems to be in common with all of these people are the stomach issues, right. you know, the being sick, the vomiting and things like that. And um, so she died 
um, right around her birthday as well. So Brandon, Edith, and Louise all died near their birthday. And I don't know if Edith had been having any stomach issues. Um, so that is a question. That's something I'd like to find out. Right. It's just like, it's like a black widow type situation. Anytime she's around someone that she can kind of either benefit from or take advantage of or cause harm to, it seems to be the case. Is there anybody else that has come along that she's crossed paths with that is no longer here? Um, there are people that I question because as I learn about poisoning and poisoners, it seems like a lot of people will uh, die in their family and then it will be ruled natural causes. And later mm. they're finding out sometimes as long as 10 years later, they find out it wasn't natural causes. Um, and they also like a, a, something in common that they have that I noticed with Brandon and also with her husband is they'll have flu-like symptoms. Interesting. So this was also something that I noticed. Um, but her father died of esophageal cancer, which is not a super common cancer. And so I started reading a little bit on that. I'm no authority by any means, but from what I read is esophageal cancer can come from like stomach issues mm -hmm. that um, come up in the esophagus. So, you know, it's back to these stomach issues. And also Cassandra was married in um, 2012. And right after she got married, her stepson was having stomach issues. And he had written on his Facebook that his, he was having so much stomach pain that he couldn't sleep. And it wasn't, but a few weeks after that, he was then in surgery and they did surgery trying to find out what was wrong with him. They didn't even know. And then they later ruled it that he had an ulcer and he was a teenager. Right. And I don't think he's had any problems since. And at that same time that he was having the stomach issues, Cassandra was badgering her husband to get the beneficiary changed on the life insurance. She wanted the son taken off and she wanted to be put as the beneficiary. Jesus Christ, dude. She's a fucking, that's what I'm saying. Like there's not, I'm not saying she's hundred percent guilty. She's there's no right. And I can't say that still, either. There's just right. too many. Yes. That's what I'm saying that this needs to be looked into. Um, this, a lot of, a lot of sick people, a lot of dead people. Um, and Cassandra is the common denominator. Right. And, you know, just reading through these years of text that I did that she would send to her husband, assaulting people, paralyzing people. And a lot of people have mentioned Munchausen's, which does seem yep. to come into play because other people will have the sickness or these symptoms. And then she will say that she has the symptoms. For instance, her husband was so sick that his doctor put him on medications that they give to MS patients. Really? And then when I met Cassandra, she said that she had MS. She's just like living through these people trying to take what like they are going through and making it just like the whole nurse thing. Yes. And it was so, you know, and it's like, I still go back and, 
and find these things that, you know, it's every day, it's something new. But one of the things that struck me here recently was that her grandmother died. And now her grandmother was older, uh, but she said that her grandmother was septic and that they gave her too much fluid. And I went back and I was looking at Brandon's records and they never really talked about this, but Brandon was septic. And he also, from the time he went into the hospital to the time they weighed him at autopsy, he had 30 pounds of fluid, like an increase of 30 pounds Whoa. just from, from dying to the autopsy. And I was like, well, this is really strange, you know, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't understand how all these processes work but I see the similarities and it right. raises more questions for me. Do you still talk to Cassandra? No, the last time was uh, June 29th of um, 20, 2020. So I was in touch with her for a full 10 months. And after that, I just felt like I wasn't really gaining anything else that like she kind of locked it down as far as telling on herself. And right. at that point, that's when I started his page and I started talking more about what happened. And, you know, just at this point, you know, and even when I talk about these people that are sick and these people that have died, this is a short amount of time. It doesn't account for all of the time in her life. And, you know, like I said, I still don't know what she was doing in college. Colorado, but right. she kept going back and forth. So there's something, you know, that we still want to look into what she was doing there um, constantly with her husband, not just the time that she spent with Brandon. This went on for years that she would leave. She would say she was flying home, but no one knows where she was really. Right. Right. So, so you haven't talked to her in almost two years. Um, what's currently happening with the actual case? Is it still you just kind of like Magnum PIing this and like Columbo yeah. type situation? Like, or do you finally have like, are the federal agents getting involved? Is other agencies getting involved? Like what's going on with that? No, I just feel like it's just um, myself and a few close friends. Sadly, you know, it's, it's also other moms that have lost their children with no answers that we kind of have a network. And then of course my friend, Melissa, um, and a few other, you know, just really close friends that really help me and they look into things and research and it's, um, it's very time consuming. You know, I try, I try to keep his case out there to get a spotlight on it. You never know who knows something, who knows her, who may come forward. Um, so we just keep digging. One of the things that I'm working on right now is because like I said, this, this blood spray and the blood spatter pattern, the, the lack of head injury in, you know, any kind of medical documentation leaves a huge question mark for me. I mean, he just didn't lay down. And, and with that, um, again, you know, when you look at the blood spatter, his neck is outlined, his face is outlined, the back of his head. There's not a smear. Um, so he wasn't moving. Right. He laid there. It. He laid there, bled, he was on his left side and not moving. Um, and, you know, I, I need to find an answer for that. I need to, 
to dig into these head scans. So that's something that's being looked at. We have the hair to be tested, um, a sample from her husband, and then also a lock of Brandon's hair. Um, cremains possibly to be tested. And then, um, you know, I've worked with a couple of private investigators and, you know, I just, I can't um, have surveillance on Cassandra all the time or anything like oh, that, um, you know, but I just, I wonder what is she up to? And um, the other thing that I need to have tested is this foam that was in the console that has the appearance of blood and it has the appearance of a lot of blood, um, which, yes. So yeah. if, if it's, if it's not actually blood, if it, because he did chew tobacco. So if it, if it's something like that, then that helps like, at least, like I said, process of elimination, then we can say, okay, it's not blood, but if it is blood, that means there's a second tr crime scene and something right. happened with that truck. Yep. And even Cassandra, like I said, she is a pathological liar. And, you know, but there are these shreds of truth, like perhaps in her mind, she's telling some sort of truth when she says that she's a nurse because she's somehow, you know, involved with someone's health. Now sure. it's in a nefarious way, but you know, in her mind, not knowing how exactly how that's working out, right. um, you know, it, she just has like a twisted um, reality, maybe. Right. No, and, well, that's a lot of a lot of serial killers. Not saying she's a serial killer. They do that too. Like mm -hmm. they yeah. put themselves. I mean, you always hear about the whole like you know arsons arsons do it all the time, where they they go back to the crime scene. A lot of a lot of yes. people do that. They go back to the crime scene. They involve themselves. They they push themselves into the investigation because it's like I don't know. They get off on it. I don't know what it is, but it's it's mm -hmm. crazy to me. But when yes. you um. When you do you talk to the Ashboro Police Department? Do you like what happens when you reach out to them? Is there any new detectives, anything like that? Oh, you know, I I have talked to Ashboro Police Department. Um, I finally got all of their official reports, and there was uh, Major Jay Hansen that I met with, and I made official complaints on Detective Johnson. I wrote five, and. Um, I just got a virus on my computer. So I like typed up my complaints on my cell phone, but I was like, I'm, you know, not just letting this go. Right. Um, but I, I met with him and everything I said was kind of just dismissed. Uh, for instance, you know, I'm talking about this blood spatter. It's in their crime scene photos. And I feel like he's trying to say it doesn't even exist. And just everything I said, you know, he made it more like, I have a lot of questions and I'm like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Mm -hmm. And he made it more like I was making these outlandish declarations, um, you know, and, but I have questions like the things that don't add up Brandon being sick for seven months beforehand and, um, the blood spatter, the condition of his body. You're saying he had pneumonia. Well, how did he ransack his apartment? If he's so sick with pneumonia, how did he have the energy to do all of this and go to some um, adult store? <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this doesn't add up. Yeah, no, no literally none of it, not, not one bit of this makes any sense to me at all. And I know it doesn't make any sense to you. What's like a, 
what's kind of like the the latest information you have on the case in general i know you have the three people that are close to cassandra that um got sick but like is there anything else that's like kind of like holy shit like this is starting to open up a little bit um you know we just keep we just keep digging and it's like piece by piece and i will say every day something more comes out and another thing that i will say is during that time during that week that i think brandon where he was already unconscious and these texts were coming in cassandra does not have an alibi oh. her husband works 12 to 14 hours a day and then he was also the person to do the shopping for them so he could be gone in 14 to 16 hours a day and she was sending messages like uh one of the messages in particular was her saying that she is just leaving work and then she's getting home about an hour and a half later and from Asheville to Darlington South Carolina it's about an hour and 45 minutes and she is someone to speed text and drive like those kinds of things so we my daughter and i actually made that trip to see can you make it in that amount of time and yes it can be done and so she has no alibi and like you said they like to go back to the scene of the crime i think i mentioned that brennan's apartment building the one that flanked his but it's in this section that apartment building was caught on fire twice once during the time um, that brandon lived there and then almost on the anniversary a year later which is really strange to have two fires within a day of the anniversary what about the car you mentioned last time we talked there was like this like it gives me chills actually thinking about it like kind of like putting herself at the crime scene wasn't like her kind of yes. make, make and model car there or something? Or there's a picture? Yes, the same make and model of her Jeep Patriot was in captured in the crime scene photo. I couldn't, you know, I cannot verify that it was hers because it's just a piece of the vehicle. Right. But even when she contacted the family, it was very strange because um, it was right when we started gathering his belongings and then she contacts the family and asks if she could have a shirt or something of his. Right. So I felt like, you know, had, did she drive by and see that we were there and then reach out and ask for clothing? And another thing was that she kept saying, make sure you find Brandon's dog tags, make sure you look for his dog tags, ask the police if they found his dog tags. And then I find out from her husband, she had a pair of dog tags that he had picked up and had in his hand. He didn't remember the name, but he picked them up and he thought, where did she get these dog tags? And this was after Brandon died. Oh, shit. Yes. What the hell? That's crazy, yes. man. It sounds, you know, to you know, you have to think it sounds like a trophy. Exactly. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. And then uh, didn't she like confront like the, the person that works at the apartment complex? Um, or wasn't oh, it yes. like a weird was, interaction? Was, yes. Yes. There was a person that lived in the apartment complex. And this is another eerie thing because Cassandra described going to Brandon's apartment knocking on the doors, knocking on the windows, 
and just having this very dramatic reaction. And then when, and she also said that she had a cane with her because she was having a bad MS day. Well, she didn't have MS at all. And I talked to the witness and it didn't happen like that at all. She just basically had a short conversation. She said that she thought he passed away. And then a very odd gesture was that Cassandra extended her hand to shake hands with the witness. And I, I thought, you know, you need to find out someone's has passed away and, and that's not really a moment that you shake hands to me. It was almost a congratulatory gesture. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what like, I'm saying, you know, man. okay, he's, he's gone. He can't tell on me now kind of right. thing. I feel like a, and, a, any, prof, sorry, any professional that would like know those things, like a profiler would mm-hmm. be able to like identify those things to what you're saying, you know, what were you going to say? Um, also the day that she met the, um, tenant that lived there that told her that was the 17th and Edith green was found deceased on the 18th. And she was already, she had been deceased for a while by the time they found her, um, you know, like rigor mortis was already setting in and someone saw her on Monday and then uh, when the police come was the eight i wish i had a calendar in front of me but it's like someone saw her and then they didn't see her the next day and then she was found dead the following day which all fits with the time that cassandra came to ashboro and it's only like 20 minutes difference between the two houses wow. or two two dwellings right so she got left there and went to brandon's uh, complex is what you're saying Right. She was, you know, a person from another state. She was from South Carolina. She was in the area then when the next, you know, this, this person died where there's really no, I, I just feel like there's not really a, a solid explanation. And sure. supposedly Edith overdosed on cold medicine. So now we go back to these same, you know, the Benadryl, yeah, the Nyquil, the cold medicine. Mm-hmm. too similar it's i mean talk about bad luck i guess <laughs> you know cassandra knows all these people cassandra knows all these people and it's like they're all dying or they're all getting sick it's like are they though like or are is there something else right right it's you know because well and let me go back to also with brandon you know even when i went when I first went and I did the 911 call um I remember saying that he wasn't doing well I didn't remember it I had to go back and listen to it um but the 911 call I said he's not doing well emotionally and that goes back to the texts that I got which were really strange right. so I thought you know from the text and I really didn't pay attention to the text at that point, but it's because then I go and now he's not answering. I didn't know of anyone being at his apartment. So it's like, I'm trying to put two and two together. Like, oh my gosh, he could have hurt himself. Right. Because he had just been let go from his job. And, but that was really just, I think just a ruse, just a way of trying to explain his death. And Cassandra's recorded saying, you know, it's like, she's trying to plant the seed. Like, do I think he could have um, taken something to overdose to hurt himself. Right. Yeah. But even though 
even that, even if that was the case, look at the photos. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you're overdosing or something, you're not going to go fucking crazy and right. ruin your apartment and, you know, blood splatter and, you know, soaked blood pillow, yeah. water everywhere. It just doesn't add up. Right. And, it, you know, it was just because I, I only had seconds to, to really kind of figure out like, okay, why is he not answering? Is something wrong? You know, it was like it just in, in this moment, but then in hindsight where I'm actually able to go back and I'm like, well, you know, this really isn't his style. He was very articulate. He would have long uh, conversations if something was on his mind. So that didn't make sense. And, you know, the similarities are there that I get the short text from Brandon and then supposedly either the suicide note, you know, they're very short. They're very, you know, not saying goodbye to anyone, not, you know, just like like Edith's. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, with Edith's, her cats were like her babies and the suicide note, please take care of my cats for total. It's more like an inventory, not a personal right. note about taking like care a personal of the cats. note to the cats and then make sure like, it's like, actually, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. And that's yes. so uh, two, two more things. And then I'll, I'll let you get out of here. But the one, the one thing that stuck out to me that you said that was like crazy was like, you actually think that you kind of like, uh, interrupted the cleanup of Brandon's murder, correct? Yes, because when you look at the crime scene photos inside Brandon's truck, it's wet inside there. The papers are wet. They're right. curled up wet, but it was a hundred degrees. It was so hot that day and it had been hot. So I'm thinking, how could those papers still be wet? Right. Um. And that was actually the the very next day. So he was found on the 12th. It was super hot. And then the photos of the truck, I think those would have been the day he died on the 13th. And just all of the water, everything, it seems like that, you know, I started texting, hey, I'm coming over. And I just feel like with the water still running, um, possibly had interrupted something that was going right. on in there. Because you texted and said, mm-hmm. hey, I'm coming over. And they obviously, yes. okay, she's coming. We got to get out of here. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, even I, I felt like something was wrong, but I kept trying to talk because he hadn't answered. And I, um, but I, I just tried to talk myself out of it, yeah. like a rational, come up yep. with a rational explanation of how he's busy, he's sleeping, something. Um, but I, and I never could have imagined of course so, not. No, yeah, you're trying to rationalize it. Not and I will say this. I don't know if I said this on the other um, the other one, but also we got a hold of a burner phone of Cassandra's and it was only two weeks after Brandon died that she was soliciting men for this sugar baby, sugar daddy type relationship. Oh, and shit. some of the things that she was saying were things that um, correlated with the crime scene, things that like restraints, things like that, that she was, you know, 
um, suggesting. And also in that she suggested that she would bring a friend, that it would be a threesome, which goes back to how I keep asking who is Olivia Doss and how does she fit into this scenario? Right. And the, and the men that she was contacting were um, Charlotte, not in South Carolina, Charlotte, Greensboro, around in this area. Right. Far enough away mm-hmm. from where she lives. Yes. Right. That's mm-hmm. what, Is her husband like clueless? Uh, she would just lie about it. And she got by with that for a lot of years. And then finally, it got to the point where their marriage wasn't the usual marriage they had separate bedrooms it was almost more like they were roommates or you know you can see like you know most of the dialogue is is kind of like what do you want to eat there's a lot of there's a lot of texting about food and picking up food items and things like that but she was always full of excuses she had a story at the ready for every question that he may ask and then she would get him so confused with her stories that I think he was just checked out. You know, at one point she's saying these just very um, startling things that just give you the creeps reading them. But to him, he just maybe thought she was bipolar, just rambling. And he would answer her with like, do you want a cheeseburger? You know, like just completely not, there was no frame of reference. So until he learned about Brandon, he didn't know of anyone that had passed away. So it was just these weird things that she was saying. But then now that you see the state that Brandon was in, and she's talking about assaulting and paralyzing and everything like that then you say okay what was really going on right was she kind of like what she normally does is she takes what she learned what she other people are going through and and projecting that you know Mm -hmm. right well is there anything that like what's coming up with this case as far as like being out there i know we're doing this podcast obviously but is there any new shows i watched the the thing that that he was on was almost like a like a two-part like one case and then the other case. I wish they had more. Yes. Um, is there anything else like that? Like what's next with, with you know, you putting this out there? Um, right now I could just say thank you so much to all of the true crime community that continues to cover Brandon's case and just to keep sharing it. And anybody watching this, just share it because I, I feel like someone somewhere knows her or they're going to know of an unsolved case or something like that, that can maybe put, put this together. Um, So there's nothing really uh, big planned, you know, but I just keep feeling like there's something more and I just keep digging and trying to put these pieces together and, you know, I have my, my friends that help me and um, this wonderful that they, they do that. And there's, a lot. And like I said, every day, something else comes out almost every single day. Something right. else comes out about this case about Cassandra. Um, and it is, it's just mind blowing. It is. Yeah. What was the thing that, that wasn't there like a, a buried or something that just came out? Um, I thought you guys promoted it. 
well there was a youtube video that came out that i think is you know up to this point that has so much of what we've been working okay. towards to get this information and but that's on youtube and right. it's on crime and mystery and brandon's was the premiere episode and i can't tell you how many people have come to me and said that Brandon's case in some way has inspired them, whether it's changing their major in college or starting a new YouTube channel right. or different things like that. And it's, you know, it's touching right. that no, he still touches people, even though he's gone. Right. Yeah. I think that's yeah. huge. And that's, and honestly, like I, I said, I would talk about her earlier, but um, Kendrick Johnson's mom was able to, continue like what you're doing with his case mm -hmm. and if anybody wants to look up that case just google kendrick johnson and you'll see it but there was a new documentary that just came out um she's been very going viral and blowing up on tiktok and other platforms and stuff like that which i think being in the community that you're in the the, the true crime stuff and, and all those investigative even though they're armchair people there's a lot of eyeballs and a lot of voices and that in today's mm -hmm. world, like that actually matters and actually can move the dial a little bit. So obviously continue to do that. But like his case, that's what she was doing. And then it finally was reopened and reinvestigated. And now there's a documentary and it's who knows what's going to come out of it. Nothing might. Wow. But at the end of the day, it's being looked at again. And I hope that happens in your case with Brandon, because none of this uh, and, and there's way more inconsistencies and just crazy things in this case than there is even with Kendrick's his is fucking bizarre yes. but but there's not like as many points pointing to this particular person that has involved similar cases it's more of like a kind of like one-off type situation with his case versus yours it's like this person that mm -hmm. you're looking at is involved in similar situations with multiple people how that's not looked at right. i still can't get over it but right yeah so i yeah. hope that it, but there's there's still you know there's still i'm sure more to uncover and right more that we need to find out and um hopefully time is on our side and we can you know put this together and i just you know i really think that it would be great for profilers people that have knowledge of things that could be going on psychologically um take a look at this and just try to try to understand what's going on because cassandra's young she's um she's only turning 33 this year she's right. got a lot of decades ahead of her and you know it's it leaves a question of if what is she up to? Right. What what has she been doing? And you know, this is you know, I'll admit it. This is completely unorthodox. I I don't like going on camera. I don't like writing these things without solid facts. But at the same time, what do I do? Do I say nothing? I right. mean, that's not really. I don't really feel like that's the best option. So I just like you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. I keep making noise. I keep talking about this and keep finding things out and just say hey this needs to be looked at right yeah i agree with you i think kudos to you for even you know 
doing all that stuff because I can't even imagine, you know, the, you know, you lost your son and you're having to do all this stuff and talk about it all the time and tell the story over and over yeah. again. But you're right. It's someone someday is going to hear it in the right way and hopefully something will be done with it. So right. keep, keep going, Sarah. That's all I got to say. I mean, and I'm going to do okay. everything I can Thank to promote you. it and talk, talk about it Thank as much you. as I can. Absolutely. But um, where can people you. find you and everything like that? Brandon's voice, the murder and cover up of Brandon Embry is on Facebook. And that is the place that really has the most evidence and the most um, posted. And I do have also a TikTok for Brandon's voice. And I took a break because we just started getting so much information. Like I said, those texts, I read through literally years of text and there were so many things to look at and for us to investigate and try to find out what was going on that it was hard for me to, to do all the social media, but sure. I will start posting again as I find things out. So I want to pick that back up with the TikTok, And again, that's just Brandon's voice. And there's an Instagram, um, you know, I get to that when I can as well. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And I'll put all those links like I did before in the, Thank and the you. description um and you'll be getting some more videos from me that you can start posting on that and and, and getting awesome. updates. I appreciate that. absolutely thank but you. sarah thank you again for coming on i really appreciate it thank you thank absolutely. you so much yep and that's another episode for the e4 explosive podcast we'll see you next time